Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where now, here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. You know, I was going to start today's podcast teasing Chris about Byron Buxton's hamstring, but something a little bit more important happened on Wednesday. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today. Frank Stanfield joined by Chris Towers. Obviously, the biggest story was David Peterson, who struck out 10 Phillies. Chris, what do you think about Peterson, man? Uh, okay. All right. I, obviously, I guess that's the biggest story. <laughs> sure. JK. Obviously, it's Carlos Rodon Day, and let's talk about it, man. Oh, my goodness gracious. Look, it's it's better than, oh, my goodness gracious. All you heard tonight was obviously an ode to Hawk Harrelson. He gone, he gone, and he gone, and he gone. Over and over and over. He gone, he gone, he gone. Carlos Rodon, no hitter against Cleveland. Seven strikeouts, 19 whiffs on 114 pitches his fastball velocity, Chris, remains up 95 miles per hour. We are waiting to see this second start to see, all right, is Carlos Rodon for real? And he looks for real. Yeah, I mean, the the most impressive thing might have been the fact that his hardest thrown pitch came on his 110th. He hit 98.8 miles per hour with his 110th pitch. He was routinely hitting 98 in the ninth inning, and you know, his velocity basically just kept going up all game. He started at like 92, 93. Uh, I think he only had three swinging strikes for through the first three innings, only five through the first five or something like that. Uh, he, but I mean, he was generating a ton of weak context, so you're okay with it. Uh, but when he needed it, he was able to reach back and really wha- rack up with 19 on 114, including 12 with that four seamer. Yeah, it's and it's awesome for so many reasons. Obviously, he's dealt with a ton of injuries. If you're yeah. watching the broadcast, you know the White Sox team was talking about it over and over, and and rightfully so, right? This is someone who has had Tommy John surgery. He's dealt with a bunch of shoulder injuries as got, well. And I got pretty emotional watching <laughs> that that last inning. Like when he put it away, I, I got a little teary eyed. I'm not gonna not gonna lie. It was a it was a really cool mo- moment. I've always been a big Carlos Rodon fan, so I. Uh, you know, love seeing him do that after, you know, everything that he's been through. I don't know that you've ever revealed this on the podcast, but I well, know I'm a that- crier, guys. <laughs> we always, I cry. We talk before regularly. the podcast. We talk after the podcast. And, and Chris... And- it comes up all the time. I mean, <laughs> you put Inside Out on, and I'm just crying the entire running time of the movie. Basically, if I see that stupid lamp before a Pixar movie, I'm going to start crying, basically. So I'm a crier, but this was a... I think this was a reason. This was a good one. No, it was it, was it was awesome. It was awesome to watch for Carlos Rodon, and he is, I believe I saw it was 83% rostered on CBS. That needs to be 100%. It doesn't yeah. matter. You play in an 18 league, a 10-team league. He needs to be 100% rostered, obviously. And something else the White Sox broadcast was talking about is that Yasmani Grandal wants Carlos Rodon to be a four-pitch pitcher. Now, yeah, all right, let's take it one step at a, at a time here, Grandal. I mean, if we could just have uh, this fastball slider and changeup working as well as it has... For Rodon, uh, he's throwing his changeup 23% of the time this year, which is by far the most of his career. I think we'll be good. I think we'll be just fine there with three pitches. Uh, Carlos Rodon looks awesome. So, Chris, uh, look, we're going to talk about rankings movers on today's podcast. We're going to have the dropo meter and, and recap everything that happened on Wednesday. Uh, but how far do we move Carlos Rodon up? Obviously, you know, we haven't really had time to, to move him up yet, but the range that I was looking at was... SP45-ish, which would be right around Tyler Malley, Marcus Stroman, two pitchers who I also really like. Uh, but 
you know, this would get Rodon inside my top 50. What do you think about that ranking? Should he be even higher than that? I'm going to move him. Actually, funny you mentioned Tyler Malley. I moved him along with Carlos Rodon. And I moved both of them just behind Trevor Rogers. I do think Trevor Rogers has been a little more impressive. I mean, obviously Carlos Rodon threw a no hitter, but Homer. Uh, you know, Rogers, uh, Rogers stuff just looks incredible. I mean, looks like some of the best stuff in the game. He's got the second highest swinging strike rate in baseball. So I moved both of them up to, or I moved that group. It's Rogers, Malley, Rodon, Yusei Kikuchi, and Zach Eflin. They're forty-eight through fifty-two. I like that. Um, and I could fairly easily move them above. I mean, I've got Aaron Savale, Jose Arquiti, Kevin Gosman, Denelson Lamette, Carlos Carrasco, Frankie Montas ahead of them. I could very easily move any of those guys uh, ahead of the, the ones that they're uh, behind. So, you know, it's, it's definitely they could move very quickly from here. Carlos Rodon inside the top 50 now for both Chris and myself. And w- with the opportunity to to be even better than this. He is quickly mm-hmm. on the rise, and if he can stay healthy and, and throw deep into starts, obviously we're not expect, uh, expecting a complete game every time, but uh, yeah. there is there is real potential here for Carlos Rodon. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Just something to keep in mind if you play in a daily league. Is he a t- No, he's not a two-star pitcher. So next week, he'll likely be a two-star pitcher, but I think like Joe Musgrove today, you can probably expect him to be pretty limited in his next start, 114 pitches. I would imagine that's the most he's thrown in a long time, maybe ever. And so I would guess like he'll be limited to about 80 in his first start next week. But if he's a two-star pitcher, you're still going to keep him out there. But just something to keep in mind if you're in a, in a daily league. But uh, he looks, I mean, really awesome. And, you know, the, the rising velocity as he went on in the game is what really stands out, I think. Last question, because I know some people are going to ask it. Uh, do we sell high on Carlos Rodon? Do you at least entertain it? Because, you know, as emotional of a moment as it was, I mentioned all the injuries that he's had in his past. So something like if you can trade him for Jesus Lazardo, who we had ranked much higher coming into the season, is is that something you would try to do? If I could do that, yeah. I mean, I, I was I was kind of looking into Jesus Lazardo's numbers yesterday, and I don't really see any reason to be concerned. The velocity's there. The spin rate is a little lower. Uh, you know, I think eighty to one hundred RPMs right now, but. Um, I still think Lizardo is a more talented pitcher, although obviously Rodon, um, you know, was number three pick in the in the draft. He's been you know a top prospect. Maybe it's taken him a while to figure out that third pitch. Um, but yeah, I I think if you can sell high, I would. Here's an interesting one: Would you sell him for the other? Oh my goodness gracious, pitcher in that White Sox Cleveland game. I was man. You're good, Chris. You're good, because that was my next question. That was my next. Zach Plesak recorded two outs against the White Sox, allowed seven hits and six earned runs, and uh, he did deliver a quality start in each of his first two starts, but both of those came against the Detroit Tigers, so a little bit of a better matchup there. And I watched his last start against the Tigers. He was missing his spots, was not hitting You know where the catcher was setting up, this is supposed to be one of the calling cards for Plesak, right? I mean, at least based yeah. on last year's. He doesn't walk anyone. He has great command, yada, yada. I haven't seen that command so far, and he got absolutely bombed. The Yerminator hit a, a moon rocket off of this guy. Yeah. It's a good question. Uh, yeah. uh, straight up. I'd rather have Plesak still, but... Yeah. This is... Um, we, we So last night I asked Scott, Scott if he would trade Trevor Rogers for Jesus Lazardo, And I'm going to say the same thing that I said last night about that for this. I'm still going to have Zach Plesak ranked ahead of Carlos Rodon, but if I had Rodon and someone offered me Zach Plesak right now, I would not accept that trade. I don't think I could accept it. Yeah, but I mean, I'm also, you know, much more skeptical about Plesak in general. Um, And even in the first two games, the strikeouts weren't there. You know, he only had like a 17% strikeout rate the first two starts. It's, I, I use this as, ex, as an example of why K percentage is better than K per nine in small sample sizes because Zach Plezak, because he only had two innings t- or two outs today, his K per nine only dropped from like 6.8 to 6.6, but his strikeout rate dropped from 17.9 to 14.7%. So uh, just goes to show K percentage, better stat. I think Zach Plezak will be better moving forward, but I... I still think he's more like a high threes ERA guy. And, you know, I think Rodon probably has more upside. Yep. He he really might. So, again, 
Uh, am I offering my Rodon for, for Zach Plesak? I don't think so, but still going to have Plesak ranked a little bit higher for now. Let's get into, oh my goodness gracious, outside of uh, Carlos Rodon, which obviously dominated Wednesday's action. Oh my good goodness gracious! I'm just going to start off with Jazz Chisholm, Chris, because I know you're probably... I'm well, not going to let you have the Marlins. You can't have the Marlins all the time. I have to have some Marlins you know, every now and then as well. And I will point this out. He had a sweet and savory on Wednesday, but we are officially changing the name. I mentioned it last week. Yes, I made a tally of all... If you're watching on video, I made a tally of all the different things uh, <laughs> that people sent in over the weekend. And the winner is for a home run and a steal in the same game. A smash and dash. So that is what we're going with. It's no longer a sweet and savory. Uh, we're we're putting the sweet and savory to rest. Maybe I'll bring it up here and there as, as like an old time kind of thing. But smash and dash, smash and dash makes sense. is what we are going with. And Jazz Chisholm had one on Wednesday. He went two for four. A three run bomb. Straight away center field off of Charlie Morton. And he Euro stepped across home plate. The kid <laughs> so is so much fun. He is oozing with swag he is fun to watch man and i'm rooting for him because i really i just don't want the marlins to get hosed in the zach gallon trade they traded gallon to the to the diamondbacks for jazz chisholm um <laughs> and look chisholm is only 44 percent rostered he is crushing the ball so far this year he has a 50 percent hard contact rate entering wednesday night 94 mile per hour average exit velocity the strikeouts have actually been better this year. He's striking out 27% of the time. He's walking a ton. Uh, the launch angle is very high. He's hitting it's like 50% fly ball rate entering Wednesday. Um, I, I'm pretty excited about Chisholm. I need to move him way up my rankings. And um, I wanted to ask you, Chris, what do you think his upside could be as soon as this season? Yeah, I mean, I do want to point out, like, he's swinging and missing a lot. His contact rate is pretty low. So I don't want to, um, you know, get get over my skis with him but you know if you talk about upside especially if you're talking about a roto league i don't think there's any reason he can't be what kevin biggio has been the last couple of years you know uh there i i think in terms of physical tools he's i i would argue probably more talented although i think biggio might actually be a little faster um i don't know about that Biggio's weirdly like he always rates out really f- well by the sprint speed metric. He's like 93rd percentile this year. Chisholm's uh, 88th, but either way, they're both very fast. Right. Um, you know, I would expect like batting average is going to be an issue for for Chisholm. He's hitting what is it 260 right now. I would think that's you know probably on the higher end. But you know, he did walk in the minors. He did uh, you know, show flashes of power. I think he had a 27 homer season or something like that in 2019. Um, he could be a 2020 guy. And, you know, with a decent on base percentage. And I would expect at some point the Marlins are gonna move him up the lineup. He's batting six now, but I mean, why not try him at leadoff? See if you can get Jazz Chisholm and Starling Marte at the top of your order and you know, see if they can make things happen. That'd be really fun. So I think there's a lot to like about him. I think I moved him up to 17th at second baseman, second base. He's behind Gene Segura and Dylan Moore, one guy who's very boring and another guy who, uh, you know, has a similar profile, but might actually be an even worse bat for batting average than Chisholm and Dylan Moore. I could see fairly quickly moving him up into the top, you know, up to, up to 14 behind ahead of Nick Madrigal behind Marcus Simeon. It's a little harder to see him getting ahead of Simeon. Who's also off to a great start. I, yeah. I yeah, will, that's, you know, I'll call myself out for that. I, I wasn't in on Simeon and he's looked really good so far. Yeah, he's going to score a ton of runs in that lineup. Uh, they're not even at full strength yet. So I think there's a lot to like about Marcus Simeon as well. But I have Gavin Lux 12th right now. You know, two weeks from now, if Gavin Lux hasn't started hitting yet, I could see myself moving Gavin Lux down. And I could see Jazz with another couple of good weeks. You know, let's say we get to the end of April and he's got, what's he got, three home runs now? Two home runs now? I think maybe he gets to five home runs and four steals by the end of April and is not killing you with batting average. I I could see potentially moving him up. This is, you know, one of the things that I mentioned with, you know, guys like Taylor Trammell and uh, Akil Badu and a couple others. Since we didn't get to see them last year, you know, these very talented, raw, young players, we don't know if they figured it out. 
Uh, we did get to see Jazz a little bit in the majors, but it was very sparingly. Uh, but, you know, something might have clicked this offseason for him. He's super talented. So uh, I, I think he's w- definitely worth adding if he's available in any categories. League. Chris, you're oh my goodness gracious player from Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, we're going to reach a point where we probably have to stop talking about Corbin Burns every time he pitches just because it's going to become ho-hum. But, right. I mean, it it doesn't really look like there's a better pitcher in baseball right now than Corbin Burns. If there is, maybe it's Shane Bieber or Tyler Glasnow or Jacob DeGrom, but there's not that many. Ten strikeouts, six innings pitched, two hits allowed. He's allowed, I think, seven hits in his first three starts. He's the first pitcher. I know that stat said since 1906 with 30 strikeouts and no walks. Was there actually a pitcher in 1906 who did that? Or was it just like, we don't have the records before that? Uh, yeah, 30 strikeouts, no walks. There was first three starts. He's using his cutter more than half the time as his primary pitch. He's throwing it 95 to 96 miles an hour on average, getting it up to 98. I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any reason to doubt him at this point. Like, it's not like he has a long tr- track record of his, of injuries. We It's really just... He was really bad in 2019 in a in a relief role where he got crushed, but he's looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball since. His only downside, Corbin Burns, is workload. But yeah. and I've said this before already about him. If the Brewers have any shot of winning the National League Central, they are not going to be able to limit Corbin Burns. Yeah. It's just they same with Brandon Woodruff. They can't afford to. I mean, it's. Freddie Peralta has looked great so far, but even Freddie Peralta is probably going to be on an innings limit at some point, yep. even more so than those other two guys. So, like, <laughs> they, they need these guys to perform. I don't think they're going to be able to limit Corbin Burns. Uh, Chris, how far did you move him up the ranks? Because I have him at SP15 now, and that was before today's start. I, I just, I didn't like Scherzer coming in, but it, it just kind of feels weird for me to move Corbin Burns ahead of names like Scherzer, Kershaw, and Bueller. Should we be doing that? I moved him ahead of Bueller, whose velocity is down. Although I did notice today Bueller's velocity is down, but his spin rate is way up. So uh, it you know it seems like Trevor Bauer is uh, sharing with his teammates. So that's a good sign. Um, <laughs> I moved Tyler Glass now and Corbin Burns up to eight and nine in my starting pitcher rankings, respectively. So wow, I moved them ahead of Bueller, Flaherty, Woodruff, Nola, Castillo, Kershaw. Just behind Giolito, I couldn't go that far. And still behind Scherzer, Darvish, and Bauer. So I think they're right there, though. And I don't know. If you told me Tyler Glasnow and and Max Scherzer were going to throw the same amount of innings and, and Corbin Burns was going to throw the same am- amount of innings, I'd probably pick Glasnow and Burns. That's fair. I mean, we probably expect Scherzer to be more of a workhorse at this point, but if you have any injury concerns with him, which I did, yeah, you know what? You talked me into it, man. I'm going to, I'm going to make that swap. I'm probably going to put Corbin Burns inside my top 10 as well. He's looked way better than Luis Castillo thus far. He's been way better. Even with the velocity up the last couple starts, it's still about a mile and a half out per hour down from last year. I would, I would still try to buy low on Castillo if anyone in your league is freaking out though. Uh, FBT listeners, March Madness and the Masters may be over, but the sports calendar never sleeps. There's the NHL trade deadline, daily NBA, NHL, and MLB action, the RBC Heritage Tournament, NFL Draft News, plus the UEFA quarterfinals, and CBS Sports HQ is your home for all of it. CBS Sports HQ is the only sports news streaming service that's completely free. How do you watch CBS Sports HQ? Easy. It's available for free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via the CBS Sports apps. If you're more of a YouTube person, subscribe to CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all the latest sports news videos on demand. Some news and notes. The Astros placed Jose Altuve, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Martin Maldonado, and Robel Garcia on the aisle for undisclosed reasons, though it's safe to assume it's for health and safety protocols uh, related to COVID-19. Aledmus Diaz started at second base with Abraham Toro at third base and a fella named Ronnie Dawson at DH on Wednesday. And Chris, I know you mentioned right before we started, Lance McCullers got bombed in his start. He was very bad, and it was against the Detroit Tigers. Three and two-thirds, six earned runs, three walks. And uh, apparently he, he didn't feel well, so there might be something related <laughs> to... Those yeah, other guys. I mean, Dusty Baker said it's a bug that's going around. Um, 
And players can be placed on the IL with COVID-like symptoms, even without a positive test. So maybe that's what happened there. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that they contracted COVID or, or that they're positive or anything like that. Um, but, you know, it it doesn't seem great right now. Yeah. No, it definitely doesn't. So, uh, yeah. And it's also possible that they had, they re- they all recently received the vaccine and, you know, had to take a personal day because of some side effects from the vaccine, which we've seen happen. Lourdes Correal was one. It happened, uh, Gio, player. it happened to Gio Urshela last weekend as well. Yeah, there you so, go. So, yeah, it's uh, possible. We just don't know. Yeah, it's very ambiguous, too. Like, these guys can be activated out of nowhere. So, you know, just pay attention to what's going on with the Houston Astros. I think we, at least based on that report that McCullers wasn't feeling well, just kind of give him a pass for the start on Wednesday. Speaking of which, we talked a lot about Strasburg yesterday. Obviously, his velocity was way down. Someone pointed out afterwards that the Nationals, their entire team got the vaccine I think it was two or three days ago. Um, mm-hmm. So apparently, like it could have affected Strasburg's arm. I don't. I don't know if he got the shot in his right I arm. Would, but. I would hope he didn't get the shot <laughs> in his right arm. I made sure to get it in my left. Um, because you're obviously it, a Cy Young award-winning wiffle ball pitcher. I mean, yeah. If you've seen me out there, you know, my, I've got a golden arm. Um, and it, you know, my arm was sore. I would not have been able to like throw things. Uh, so hopefully, he didn't get it in his right arm. But like. There's also, it's not just the arm soreness. You know, a lot of people report uh, fatigue, dehydration, general body soreness, chills, uh, other, you know, symptoms like that, usually with the second shot. Um, so, you know, it's, it's entirely possible. Like this is, this is a, a, another weird season where there's a lot of variables that we're not used to going on. Um, and it's entirely possible that that was what was going on with Strasburg. But I mean, he's also got a history of injuries and had surgery for carpal tunnel uh, syndrome in the off season and had a, has a, has a torn ligament in his leg that he's pitching through. So, you know, we kind of don't know. It's just a wait and see. I don't feel great about him right now though. That's for sure. Yeah. I I moved Strasburg down. I think it was to SP 29. So he's, he's falling quite a bit and I think rightfully so for now. And we spoke about this before the season as well, lasting on, on, the COVID situation, but you and your commissioner should have laid out some kind of rules where if this happens midweek, you have a player replacement that's that you designate that can enter your, your lineup in case one of your players, you know, randomly lands on the IL or has a COVID situation midweek. If you play in a daily league, it doesn't really matter much for you, but in a weekly league, you know, obviously we're going to have a lot of these things happening all throughout the course of the season. Speaking of the IL, Max Fried landed on it with a right hamstring strain, which we found out, after his start last night, he got rocked by the Miami Marlins, so might explain that a little bit. Uh, we'll probably see one of Kyle Wright or Bryce Wilson enter the rotation, and this also guarantees that Waskar Inoa will get at least a few more starts with the Atlanta Braves, so he was awesome his last time out. Let's see what happens there. Victor Robles was dropped to ninth in the lineup Wednesday for the Nationals. Manager Dave Martinez said he wanted Trey Turner at the top of the lineup given his past success against Adam Wainwright, and it actually worked out because Trey Turner, I think, had two doubles in that game. So hopefully Robles doesn't just stay at nine for now because that would affect his value quite a bit. This is the problem is, you know, their, their best lineup probably doesn't include Victor Robles hitting uh, at the top of the lineup. So you kind of just have to hope that they are willing to stick with it and keep him there and and hope that he shows something. He's, he's getting on base at a decent clip right now, 342, but that's not, not really terrible. doing anything else. What's that? That's not terrible. No, yeah, he has five walks, but I, I think it, it was like three walks in the first, two walks in the first game, two walks in the third game. Uh, I think he had another walk today, and he's been hit by two pitches. So, you know, it's... I don't know if there's necessarily anything there with that, but he's also, you know, he's not striking out a ton. Um, so... You know, it's possible that there's still room for him to grow. I still believe that he's a talented player. So hopefully this isn't the start of them burying him. That is Victor Robles that we are talking about. Again, batting ninth for the Nationals on Wednesday. The Brewers placed Lorenzo Cain on the 10-day IL with a left quad strain. Avisael Garcia 
uh, will get more playing time now as a result, so you don't have to worry about that. He does have six hits, including two home runs over his last five games, only 19% rostered in CBS leagues. So if you do play in five outfielder leagues, Garcia is someone that I would be looking to add. He has six games next week. Christian Yelich was out of the lineup again for the Brewers for a third straight day with that back injury. The Blue Jays placed Julian Merriweather on the 10-day IL with a left oblique strain. I would assume Jordan Romano is the closer, but we also assume that coming into the season as well. So, yeah, we'll see. I, I, I would assume so, yeah, but, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% confident in it. For sure. Alex Kirilov was the 27th man for the Twins doubleheader on Wednesday. He went 0 for 3 with a strikeout. Chris, I think the fact that he was used in this role tells me that they are close to just calling him up for real and and hopefully letting him play every day. Uh, I can't say that for certain, but Alex Kirilov was up, and I don't think it's for good. I think he, he was just the 27th man. They designated him as that on Wednesday. The Giants will activate and start Alex Wood this Sunday against the Marlins. Logan Webb was moved back to the bullpen, but Johnny Cueto left Wednesday start with a lat injury. So uh, I'll keep you updated there. Maybe Logan Webb gets right back in the rotation. Jose De Leon was moved to the Reds bullpen to make room for Sonny Gray, who will start either Friday or Saturday this week for the Reds. And Jeff Hoffman will remain in their rotation. Will Myers was diagnosed with patellar tendonitis and was out of the lineup Wednesday, though the Padres said they expect him back on Thursday. Not a doctor, but patellar tendonitis sounds kind of bad. So um, Yeah, it, it's uh, it's just like a, a kind of chronic injury. I, I, it doesn't necessarily mean that he's like injured right now. It just might be something that they have to manage. Um, you know, it'll be something they have to manage over the course of the season, from what I understand. The White Sox placed Dylan Cease on the IL with COVID symptoms, though he has not tested positive. We talked about that a little bit earlier, how that's possible. Uh, the Twins placed shortstop Angelton Simmons on the COVID IL as well. The Cubs uh, optioned Adbert Alzali to their alternate training site on Wednesday. But Chris, I wonder if this is a situation similar to the Yankees where they optioned Domingo Herman just because they need an extra bullpen arm. I couldn't find anything concrete on that situation with Alzali. They recalled Shelby Miller and... I, I'm pretty sure he got rocked on Wednesday. So. Yeah, he was really bad. Um, yeah, I mean, looking at the schedule, they're off tomorrow. They're off Monday. Um, they probably so, don't need a fifth starter. For yeah, them, I think that's probably what it is. They just don't need a fifth starter until probably, well, I don't know when he started, uh, Monday. So, yeah, they probably don't need another one until like Friday of next week or something like that. So that that's probably what it is. Let's talk about a few other rankings movers. We already talked about Corbin Burns climbing inside the top 10 in of Chris's starting pitcher ranks. Let's talk about another pitcher, Corey Kluber. And we've mentioned his name a lot recently, potentially as a drop candidate. And on Wednesday against the Blue Jays, wasn't much better. Four innings pitch, six hits, three earned, two walks, four strikeouts for Kluber. But with a capital B, but 15 whiffs on 77 pitches and the velocity on all of his pitches was up nearly two miles per hour. So how far did you lower him, Chris? Uh, did the start do anything for you today in terms of confidence for Kluber? I, I've dropped him to 55 before this start, and I, I don't feel uh, a need to move him up at this point. Um, I don't know. Like It's good that he had 10 whiffs with the cutter. That's really impressive. He only threw 30 of them, so that's a really, really high rate, but I just, I don't think the command is there. And that's the biggest thing. I, you know, even if he's throwing like 91, that's still lower than his peak. Um, but going back to the start of spring training, the command just has not been there for him. Uh, I think it's five hit batters in six starts over, over the course of that stretch with, um, I think like 12 or 13 walks in about 21 innings. So, you know, Kluber at his best was a great strikeout pitcher. He was a great, you know, great at getting whiffs, but he was, you know, especially great with command. And so that's not there yet for him. Um, and I'm skeptical it will be. And if it is, I'm skeptical the upside will be particularly high either way. So I can't, my closet's right here. I can't reach my Yankee hat, but if I could, I, I would put it on and... This is Homer Frank talking here, and I didn't like Corey Kluber coming into the season. I, I was skeptical all along. Um, I think he's probably shaking off some rust in these early starts here, and he is typically a very slow starter. 
I think it was in starts in March and April in his career as a 3.90 ERA in every other month combined in every other start. He has exactly a three ERA. So those things combined with rust. Uh, I think that he's probably just off to a slow start again. Um, I think you could drop him for some of the names that we've been talking about a lot. Yeah. Obviously, like Rodon, Trevor Rogers, you can make that move. You say Kikuchi, I think you could probably make that move as well. But if, if someone drops Kluber, I I'm I might look to pick him up, man. I, I don't know. I was I was kind of encouraged by this day. Although the command was not good, I agree. The whiffs and, and the velocity being up, I was I was pleasantly surprised by that when it came to Corey Kluber. Uh, Tyler Glass now, he is a riser. We already mentioned you move him inside your top 10 starting pitchers as well. He is up to number eight. Uh, Andrew Vaughn is a faller for you. He did start on Wednesday. I believe he had one hit. I don't know. I think it was one for three or one for four. It was a double. He had another hard hit ball over 100 miles per hour, but that was a fly out. Uh, how far did you, did you drop Andrew Vaughn, Chris? And would you drop him for someone like Joey Votto right now who... I would rather have Vada, yes. Okay. Um, How far did you yeah. drop Vaughn? I dropped him to 19th, and I've got Vado 18th. So uh, that's a good line for him. But I've got Vaughn ahead of Carlos Santana, and I don't really think that makes sense. I just... The question is, at some point, are they going to start playing him every day? I don't know. I, I would hope so. Uh, they shockingly left him in to play defense in the late innings of a perfect game, which just like... <laughs> I don't know if Tony LaRusa fell asleep or if he just didn't want to upset anyone and just like we're right, we're rolling, let's not mess this up. But like that was yeah, a wild decision. Um yeah, like Joey Votto is hitting the ball really, really hard. His I, I wrote about 10 surprising hitter stats uh from the early season uh earlier today, and Votto is Ninth in average fly ball and line drive exit velocity. He's got, um, he's swinging a lot more. He's got a, a really high X Woba. So I, I think what we're seeing from Vado now, in addition to what we saw at the second half of last season, makes me think he's better than Vaughn. I have him behind Dominic Smith, Miguel Sano, and Reese Hoskins as well. Um, I think Miguel Sano is, you know, certainly a little riskier than those other guys. So, um, that's where I'm at. J.D. Martinez is a riser for you, and, and rightfully so, Chris. He is off to a great start. 378 batting average, five homers, 16 RBI, in, an OPS over 1,300 for J.D. Martinez. Is he the number one utility bat at this point, or would you still nah, rather have Nelson nah. Cruz? Still Nelson have Cruz, Cruz and Jordan Alvarez still okay. ahead of him. Okay. I, I like what J.D. Martinez is doing a lot. It's very good to see. But like it, it's not like Nelson Cruz hasn't been hitting the crap out of the ball either. So uh, right, I'll still stick with him. But yeah, I mean, this is JD Martinez has a 5.93 WOBA. Uh, he's outperforming his ex WOBA by 112 points, and he's still in the 93rd percentile in ex WOBA this season. So that tells you how good he's been. Um, so yeah, I, I think JD Martinez. It, it sure looks like he's back. If he has outfield eligibility, Chris, where would you slot him into your outfield ranks? Oh, that's that's interesting. Let me take a look. So just immediately, what I'm thinking is right around the Nick Cassianos, Aaron Judge range. Does that sound right? That's exactly that's exactly it. I'm looking at the trade chart from uh, yesterday that I put out, and that's basically an overall ranking. And he is valued at the same price as Nick Castellanos, um, just ahead of Austin Meadows and Michael Conforto. So, sorry about that. So, that would make if JD has outfield eligibility, which he still might get. I think he's only played one game in the outfield. Yep. But that would make him a top 15-ish outfielder. So, yep. nice yep. little... Looks uh, like uh, he'd be 17 for me. Nice. Uh, Marco Gonzalez, I think it's pretty self-explanatory, so we don't really have to talk much about him. He's off to a slow start, more of a contact pitcher. I kind of think Corey Kluber's like best case scenario is probably pretty similar to Marco Gonzalez. Um, I still think Kluber could give you more strikeouts, though. Yeah, maybe. Um, you would certainly hope so. And the fact that he was able to get so many whiffs with his cutter today is a good sign there. But um, like, I think if he figures it out, it probably looks like a, a lot like Marco Gonzalez, maybe with more strikeouts. Ramon Laureano, we were talking about him on yesterday's podcast, up to eight steals, which is a... Uh, <laughs> 
double the next closest person. Garrett Hampson has four. And I moved Ramon Laureano, Chris, all the way up to outfielder 24 in Roto Leagues, just ahead of names like Will Myers, Michael Brantley, Brendan Lau, Kevin Biggio. Is that too aggressive in Roto? No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm trying to figure out Roto. He is 26. So I moved him and Trent Grisham uh, up together. I think they're going to be very similar players. Maybe Grisham has more power, Lariana more speed. Um, and I moved them into the top 26. So just ahead of Jeff McNeil, ahead of Kevin Biggio, um, just behind Randy Rosarena, Brandon Lau, and Joey Gallo. So few other names here that I wanted to mention as rankings movers. Obviously, Trevor Rogers is on the rise for all of us. And Chris has him at SP48. I have him at SP47. So, ha, take that, Chris. I like him more than you. You're the Marlins homer. No, no, no. Scott is the Marlins homer. He has Trevor Rogers at SP43. So, inside of the top 54, all of us. And last but not least, Andres Jimenez, who... We did like as a potential steal source coming into the season. He is stuck in a platoon with Ahmed Rosario. Uh, Jimenez is not playing against left-handed pitching. He was not in the lineup on Wednesday against Carlos Rodon. Uh, Chris, fair to say at this point that you would rather have Jazz Chisholm over Andres Jimenez? Yeah, I have Jimenez um, 22nd at shortstop. Um, not sure exactly where I have him at second base, but let me see. He is 20th at second base. Chisholm is 17th. So, yeah, I would rather have Chisholm. Um, I'm not sure. I was skeptical about Jimenez's bat coming in. And so, like, I think he should be playing every day. I think it's silly that they're not playing him every day. But, um, you know, I'm not sure he's a guarantee to hit well, even if he does get that opportunity. Only Cleveland can trade for two players that play the same position where you can't get both of them in the lineup at the same time. They traded a superstar player, by the way, to get, you know, we can't just combine Jimenez and Rosario and, and hope that he becomes Francisco Lindor. That's not how this works, Cleveland. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And, what they, and they signed Cesar Hernandez, making it so that they couldn't play both of them at the same time. Exactly. Unless they played Ahmed Rosario in center field. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's up. What are you doing? Let's quickly promote a few more things. The Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter. If you are not subscribed to the newsletter, you should change that because it is awesome. It is in your inbox every single morning. Uh, you just go to cbssports.com slash newsletters slash fantasy baseball today. You punch your email in and you will get that delivered to you every morning. It has links to our podcast and it also has a lot of information that we deliver on the podcast. It has stats from our Oh My Goodness Gracious player. It has a bunch of news and notes every night. It has waiver wire players that you should pick up. So if there are days where you can't make the podcast and you miss it, well, that should never happen, obviously. But um, having having the newsletter in conjunction with that or, you know, uh, as, as another option in case you can't listen to the podcast is definitely something you should do. So go check out the Fantasy Baseball Today newsletter and our Facebook group. Still up and running, facebook.com slash group slash fantasy baseball today. A lot of people asking smart questions right now regarding trades, waiver wire moves, some dynasty discussion I've seen on there as well. So facebook.com slash groups slash fantasy baseball today. Go check it out. We're going to take a quick break. If you are watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you are listening on the audio side, we'll be right back. When we return, we will have waiver wire starting pitchers here on Fantasy Baseball Today. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. 
Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. So I jokingly started the podcast with David Peterson, but he actually was pretty damn good. So let's talk about him. He went up against the Phillies on Wednesday, six innings of one run ball, 10 strikeouts to just to zero walks. So you love to see that, but only nine whiffs. So he had nine whiffs, but 10 strikeouts. Okay, that's interesting. Um, he used a sinker a lot more in the start. Chris, only 35% rostered for David Peterson. He's at the Cubs next week. What is your interest level here? Uh, pretty middling. I don't think there's a, a ton in his track record to make me think that he's he's someone to get super excited about. Um, something that we need to keep in mind as we move forward through the season and you know consider waiver wire pitchers and you know these oh he's had ten strikeouts and you know it was a really good game is strikeouts are up yet again. It's a entering play on Wednesday. The year is a league record twenty four point seven percent strikeout rate league wide. Um, Last year, it was 23.4%, I believe. And it's not just because pitchers are hitting. Even the non-pitcher strikeout rate is a league record right now. So, um, you know, starting pitchers entering play Wednesday had more strikeouts than innings pitched so far. That has never happened before. Uh, I believe last season or the season, I think it was 2019, it was like 8.3K per nine. Right now, it's 9.3. So... 10 strikeouts in six innings is always going to be very impressive. But when the underlying, you know, only nine swinging strikes, that doesn't really back it up. Uh, He doesn't really have super great stuff. So I I don't think there's much reason to be uh, particularly excited about David Peterson. I would look at him in anything deeper than a 12-team league, but a points league or even a 12-team roto, I think there's probably enough enough other pitchers out there. Yeah. um, that you don't need to target someone like David Peterson. How about two guys that went up against each other on Wednesday, Griffin Canning and Brad Keller. Griffin Canning, five innings of two-run ball with five strikeouts, did have 15 whiffs on 92 pitches. He has two starts next week. One of those is at home against Texas. The other one is on the road against the Houston Astros. Brad Keller finally put together a decent start, five and two-thirds of one-run ball, five strikeouts. Also has a two-start week next week. Versus Tampa Bay and at Detroit. So really nice matchups there for Keller. Yeah. Chris, if you were picking up one of these guys just for the two-star week, which one do you like more? What were Canning's matchups? They are versus Texas at home and at the Houston Astros. So worse matchups, although versus Texas is a pretty good one. I think Canning's a better pitcher. I think he's more likely to get strikeouts. So I would go with him. Um, he's just using his slider as his primary pitch. He's barely throwing his... I mean, he throws fastball 27% of the time, but... You know, it's a lot of sliders, a lot of change-ups. And he brought back that curveball that we saw him using early last season. So legit four-pitch mix, three whiffs on 10 curveballs is pretty good. So yeah, I think Griffin Canning's pretty impressive right now. Obviously, there's a lot of interesting starting pitchers right now. And as I said before, five strikeouts in five innings, technically slightly below average for a starting pitcher in the year of 2021. But I'd rather have him than Keller. I think he's just a better pitcher. Yep, I agree. Rather have Canning. But if you do play in a points league and, and Canning is yeah. already on someone's team, I, I really do like those matchups quite a bit for Brad Keller. Chris, three pitchers in deeper formats. Joe Ross is only 27% rostered, six shutout on Wednesday against the Cardinals. Michael Fulmer, who we spoke about a little bit the other day, and I'm trying not to get too excited. If anyone's followed my work before I was here at CBS, 
for years, Chris, I was a Michael Fulmer stan. I was all over this guy. I thought he was like the next big thing. Uh, and obviously was derailed by injuries. And even before then, I mean, he was starting to fall off a little bit. Um, now his second season back from Tommy John surgery, five innings of two-run ball, only two strikeouts against the Astros, but the velocity way up for Michael Fulmer back to when he was fantasy relevant in like 2016, 2017. Uh, he is, I don't have his roster right here, but I'm pretty sure it's less than 20%. And Kohei Arihara, who was at the Tampa Bay Rays, five and two-thirds shutout with actually, with five Ks. So he doesn't usually get a lot of strikeouts, but... Yeah, he had two in his first two starts combined. Yeah, 13 whiffs on 85 pitches. We'll take that. Uh, in deeper leagues, Chris, Joe Ross versus Mike Fulmer versus Kohei Arihara. I think I would rank them... Let me just check one thing really quickly because I think Joe Ross is RP eligible. He is. Um, Fulmer is 10% rostered on CBS. And Ross is 27, right? Yes. And Arihara is 8%. Yeah. In a points league, I would rather have Ross. In a roto league, I would rather have Fulmer. Yeah. Uh, Arihara is last among them all. I think he can be decent, but I don't see a ton of upside there. Where at least with Fulmer and Ross, you could potentially maybe see them uh, you know, being solidly above average starting pitchers moving forward. I don't oh. think it's likely for either, but it's possible. How about this, Chris? Fulmer's two-star week next week, at home for both, against the Pirates and against the Royals. Yeah, so must add in, in, uh, <laughs> That's pretty good. in a points league, probably. You're going to want to have him on your team. That's pretty uh, good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Joe Ross is in line for two starts next week, but going up against the Cardinals and... I don't really like when starting pitchers face the same team back-to-back starts because obviously they just saw them. So uh, he goes up against the Cardinals and at the Mets. I think Joe Ross is interesting, but just for next week, maybe for rest of season two, I think Fulmer might have more upside. The drop-o-meter, we haven't used the drop-o-meter all season long, but these are all kind of questionable players. So I just kind of, I want to figure out where we're at in terms of should we be dropping players of this stature this early in the season? So obviously 10 is... Okay, you could drop this player everywhere. It doesn't matter. They don't need to be on your team. One, no. We're definitely holding this guy. Aaron Hicks, Chris, is now batting 179 on the season. He is 78% rostered on CBS. The drop-o-meter. I would say like a a six for Aaron Hicks. I, I, I still think he can be a very valuable player, but I guess at this point, one big question is, is he going to run much anymore? Probably um, not, but really good yeah. for OBP and... For some reason, the Yankees like having him in the middle of the lineup. Yeah, that's the one thing. As I'm looking at his average sprint speed over the years, and he's fallen. I mean, it's very early on, and we, you know, there's a lot of factors that go on and small sample size. But his average sprint speed has fallen from 66th percentile in 2020 to 42nd percentile in 2021. So if he's, you know, not really going to be a stolen base threat in a regular roto league, I think it makes him droppable. I would. I'm looking at CBS roster rate right now. Akil Badu is rostered in less leagues than Hicks. I would rather have Badu. I would I would add Badu. I would rather have Victor Robles is rostered in less leagues than yeah, I would Aaron have Hicks. Robles. That's so weird. I mean, that that's probably a points league thing. Right. Hicks is a better points league player, but I don't think he's a starter in a points league right now for sure. I would rather have Nick Senzel than uh, Hicks. Yeah, in a, in a roto league. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think six seems like a good number for Aaron Hicks. Ian Happ, Chris, someone that you were excited about coming into the season. He's he went 0 for 3 on Wednesday with two strikeouts. He is batting 143 with a 531 OPS. And the Cubs just like, I don't know I don't what know. deity they pissed off uh, <laughs> at the start of the 2020 season, but they just they cannot hit right now. I think he's better than this. I think he's going to turn it around. He's not striking out much. He's still hitting the ball, you know, reasonably hard, 43.5% hard hit rate. So I I think he'll figure it out. And as long as he's not, you know, moved out of the, the leadoff spot, uh, I would say I'm like a three on Hap. I'm still sticking with him. The Chicago Cubs have a collective 198 BABIP as a team this season. The next closest team is the Cleveland Indians at 230. So and the Cleveland Indians don't have good hitters. So you would expect <laughs> them to have a lower BABIP. Yeah, it's uh, man. The Cubs are just really, really unlucky right now. Tommy Pham, Chris, is batting 143, but did pick up his second steal of the season on Wednesday. Some people have actually been asking whether they can cut bait with Tommy Pham. What do you think? The drop-o-meter. I don't think I would do it. His underlying numbers are still really solid. He's not striking out at all. He has more walks than strikeouts. Has a 47.1% hard hit rate. 
I I think you want to hang on to Tommy Pham. One, numero uno, do yep. not drop yeah, Tommy Pham. One or two, yeah. Nick Solak went 0 for 4 on Wednesday. He is batting 209, Chris. Nick Solak. Uh, yeah, he's probably like a 7 for me. I know you like him quite a bit, um, and I can see... More so for Roto. If you have him in a yeah. points league, you could drop him. Yeah, I think for sure in a points league, and even in a Roto league, like... I think if I had to drop him to add Akil Badu, I would do that. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Adam Wainwright has a 7.11 ERA through three starts and is 39 years old. He's still 83% rostered, Chris, so the drop-o-meter on Wainwright. Is his ERA twice what it was, double what it was last year? Something like that? Yeah, 315, it's more than double. (laughs) Um, You hate to see it. Yeah, like I wouldn't say he's a must- roster i wouldn't say he's a must drop but probably like a five or a six would you drop him for any of the pitchers we named before griffin canning brad keller yeah i would drop him for canning i don't know about keller maybe because of the two-start week i don't know if wainwright's two-start they're kind of Um, the same pitcher i feel like at this yeah that that one's just kind of it doesn't really make a, a big difference to me a few other names here that i don't they probably will have pretty low numbers andrew mccutcheon Oh, maybe not. Four. Oh, oh for four, batting one thirty nine. That's a four. Yeah. How about Jeff McNeil? He went one for three on Wednesday. He's batting one seventy four. One. Yeah, he's maybe t- zero. Typically he, like, a, a slow starter. Yeah, and if 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 the thing Jeff McNeil's not doing is hitting for average, I have a a strong degree of faith that Jeff McNeil will hit for average. Michael Conforto went zero for two with a walk on Wednesday. He got hit by a pitch recently on his wrist, so I wonder if that's something that's hampering him. Uh, he is betting one twenty to start the season, Chris. I think if there's any team that deserves a break, it's probably the, the Mets right now, given how their season has gone. They had their first series canceled. I think they've had two or three rainouts so far. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to drop Conforto. I'd say still a one. He's still around my top 20 in outfield, so I wouldn't even consider dropping him. Last but not least, we already mentioned the name. Zach Plesak got rocked on Wednesday against the White Sox. Is he droppable anywhere, Chris? Like, 10-team league, would you consider dropping him? Probably not, but, you know, maybe in a 10-team league, if you, like, if Trevor Rogers was still out there, maybe just because maybe there's a chance Rogers gets picked up this weekend and and Plezak doesn't because he's got the ugly ERA and he won't show up in the sortable stats. But, no, I, I wouldn't say I'm looking to drop him anywhere. A few waiver wire hitters. Let's run through these quickly. Andrew Benintendi went two for five on Wednesday with his third steal in the last four games. He's only 44% rostered. The stat cast data is quite bad, however, and he is striking out a lot. So any interest in Benintendi? Yeah. Um, I guess, I, yeah, no, I, this is weird. His sprint speed has just collapsed the last couple of years. He was at 87 to 80%, 80, 87% to 80th percentile in sprint speed in his first couple of seasons. Last couple of seasons in Boston, dipped down into like the 60th percentile range. He's under 45th percentile each of the last two seasons. So I'm not sure I expect those stolen bases to continue to be a thing. Um, yeah. Poor Benintendi, man. The guy is just completely broken. Chris, what did, uh, what did Heath used to call Travis Shaw? Is that the mayor of Ding Dong City? Is that what that was? Well, that wasn't just a Heath thing. That's his nickname. Oh, Travis that- Shaw, I believe they made a bobblehead Oh, okay. Uh, of Travis Shaw when he was with the Brewers the first time that said mayor of Ding Dong City. Yes. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. He's wearing a uh, a suit. That's awesome. A little suit. He's got a little bat. Uh, he's at a podium. And the seal says mayor, seal of the mayor of Ding Dong City. <laughs> All right, so, I thought I thought it was just a Heath thing, but uh, I remember no. he used to always refer to him as the mayor of Ding Dong City. Travis Shaw is... <laughs> I'm going to tell him you said that. Uh, Travis Shaw, <laughs> he's playing well. He went two for five on Wednesday. He hit his third yeah. home run of the season, and he's basically going to play every day now that Orlando Arcia is, was traded away to the Atlanta Braves. Uh, Shaw is only 20% rostered. I kind of feel like... I've seen him around in some of my like 15-team Roto Leagues with corner infielders. Travis Shaw should be higher gotta than 20% percent rostered. Yeah. 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 Gotta add him in any 15 team league, 14 team league, I think for sure. Beyond that, I I guess in some 12 or or you know, 12 team leagues, especially Roto with the deeper roster. Um, because he is hitting very well right now. You know, his average exit velocity is not 
super high, but pretty much everything else looks pretty good, including his expected stats. So, yeah, maybe he's figured something out. Maybe he's, uh, you know, fixed the contact issues that he had the last couple of seasons. You can see that with his contact rate uh, on both pitches inside of the zone and outside of the zone. He's got his contact rate back up to where it was in 2018. So, uh, yeah, I would say 12 team leagues. Go look at Travis Shaw. A few final names here. Alejandro Kirk picked up his first hit of the season. It was a two-run home run off of Corey Kluber. Kirk is only 24% rostered on CBS. And I think he should be rostered in two catcher leagues. The playing time is going to be a little bit wonky, but if he starts to hit and Danny Jansen doesn't, then Alejandro Kirk can take over that job. And I think there's quite a bit of upside. In Alejandro Kirk's favor, he might be next to maybe like Rowdy Telez the premier big beefy baseball boy of 2021. <laughs> no, 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 he no. He is no. listed at 5'8", 265 pounds. He is fantastic. I mean, the Yerminator, Chris, is... Yerm- yeah, he's a beefy Yerm- boy. Is, he's he's pretty beefy as well. It's a good year for, for big beefy baseball boys so far. <laughs> um, Alejandro Kirk, I, I think he should be a better hitter than Danny Jansen. I'm just not sure he's going to get enough opportunities to prove that right away. And obviously he's not doing much with the opportunities he's getting right now, but I do like him and certainly in anything deeper than 12 team two catcher, he should be rostered. Let's show the buckos of some love here. Adam Frazier went three for five with two RBI on Wednesday. He is now batting 300, 22% rostered. He does have second base and outfield eligibility and could be a source of batting average. Maybe give you a few steals. That again is Adam Frazier. Gregory Polanco, what what did I name this thing? He had a smash and dash on Wednesday. He's 15% rostered. It was his first home run and first steal of the season. The home run came off of his former teammate, Joe Musgrove. Uh, Polanco had a great spring. He really has done nothing else so far this season. Only the deepest leagues, but I thought I'd bring up the name because it was a good game. Some other stuff from Wednesday. Aaron Judge went three for four with a double dong. Chris, is now the time to trade Judge? No. You know my answer. You know my like. I'm not worried about him getting injured. If he gets injured, okay, you live with it. But I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna try to sell Aaron Judge for for anything less than full value. Sure, and I would trade him for JD it. Martinez right now. I think Aaron Judge is a better hitter, and I don't think he's less likely to stay healthy than JD Martinez at this point in their careers. Um, so I would. Uh, I've got Judge 13th in Roto. I would. I would stick with him. Thirteenth in the outfield, right? In outfield, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. It's just, he was already. Dealing, would have been seventeenth if he was outfield eligible. Judge is already dealing with a. They called it a left side thing, yeah. discomfort, and he had that oblique a couple of years ago. I just, I really do not have a lot of faith in him staying healthy the rest of season. Sure. Bobuchet had an extra smash and dash on Wednesday, two home runs, including a walk off and a steal. He's now up to four home runs and two steals on the season, so d- uh, doing his best to uh, to make us look quite bad here on this podcast. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I've watched a lot of him early in the season because it feels like every game the Yankees have played has been against the Blue Jays. Every single thing off of Vlad's bat is loud, Chris. It is very loud. And the launch angle is already starting to drop a little bit. He hit a few more ground ball singles on Wednesday. But mm-hmm. the one thing that I did say about Vlad the way that he can still break out, even with hitting a lot of ground balls, is it's the way that Juan Soto has done it, is that every time you put the ball in the air, you are just crushing it. And so far, Vlad Guerrero's average exit velocity on fly balls and line drives is 17th in baseball. So if he can maintain that, even if he hits the ball on the ground 50% of the time, he can still hit 30-plus home runs if he maintains that. Yeah, I let me. I, I guess I would want to compare that to where he was last year because I would imagine he was he ranked pretty well by that same. No, he didn't. Oh no, okay, he was forty six. So yeah, still good, but not elite. So yeah, if he can sustain that, he could be. You know, he certainly profiles as someone who could be like a consistent twenty five percent home run to fly ball rate guy, and that's what he's he is right now. He's been like fourteen percent before this, so. That's worth keeping an eye on. It is entirely possible, but um, I looked this up earlier today. His first six games of the season, he had an average launch angle of 20 degrees. Uh, The last six, including today, his average launch angle is 0.1 degrees. So basically zero. 
He's essentially had no launch angle. That's that's um, prime Wilson Ramos right there. Yeah, yeah, that's um <laughs> but yeah, I mean what I will say is there is evidence that Vladimir Guerrero is breaking out, but it's not as convincing as the overall numbers indicate. And his ISO is actually it's not far from where it was last season now. It's actually slightly below where it was last season. Obviously, we're talking about a very small sample size, but for as well as he's hit the ball, he only has four extra base hits. And it's not like you know his expected stats say that he's been unlucky in that regard. So I think the jury's still out on whether Vlad's broken out, um, but I think he's going to be really good moving forward, especially if, if he can sustain you know his really good plate discipline so far. So I wouldn't I wouldn't be looking to trade him necessarily. I don't think I would have the courage to trade him at this point. Is what I would say. We've already mentioned the Yerminator, Yermin Mercedes a few times already tonight, but three for five on Wednesday. He's now batting 500. Uh, it was his third home run of the season. And I don't want to overreact to this, Chris, because I feel like we've seen so many players in the history of baseball. The first couple of weeks, okay, they get off to this mm-hmm. great start and then they just fizzle out. But what I've seen from this guy so far, his approach, uh, people have highlighted how with two strikes, he just completely changed his approach at the plate. I, He just... Looks like a professional hitter so far. I think if you can sell him high for like a proven talent that you think is going to bounce back, who's off to a slow start, sure. But don't just trade your mean Mercedes for the sake of trading him is basically what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I mean, he's doing everything you want a hitter to do right now. He's got good plate discipline. His, he's making a ton of contact, 87% zone contact rate, 84.6% contact rate on balls outside of the strike zone. And he's hitting the ball incredibly hard. I mean, his average exit velocity is only 86%, but uh, Max Exavilo has been there. He's hit a lot of really hard batted balls, even if he's also got some you know, pretty soft ones that are driving, dragging the average down. Let's wrap up with the call to the pen and to stream or not to stream. So some bullpen updates. Jake McGee picked up his sixth save of the season, <laughs> just like we all drew it up. Gabe Kapler sticking with one closer. Uh, the yep. Boston Red Sox, Matt Barnes picked up his second save. He is the guy there. And the Marlins, Yimmy Garcia picked up his second save this time. It was in the 10th inning with a runner starting on second base in a one-run game against the Atlanta Braves, which is one of the best lineups in baseball. So Yimmy Garcia is undoubtedly the guy for the Marlins. He is only 38% rostered. To stream or not to stream for Friday. This is for daily lineup leagues, people who are trying to stream starting pitchers. If you know you need some help in that department, if you have a stacked pitching staff, you probably don't need this. But apparently I was doing this wrong, Chris, because I didn't really factor in that we record the podcast the night before, so this podcast is coming out on Thursday morning. People are mm-hmm. picking up pitchers for the following day, for Friday. So I have been doing wow. this wrong all along. And someone emailed in and, and told me, like, hey, dude, you need to do it this way. I was like, actually, you're right. So thanks for the heads up. I appreciate it. To stream or not to stream for Friday, Drew Smiley at the Cubs. What do you think, Chris? Yay or nay? Nay. Dylan Cease. Well, this isn't going to happen anymore, probably, because no. he is on the IL. So we're going to skip him. Mike Miner going up. He, he could be off tomorrow. You know, it could just be you know a, a non-COVID illness. If he is off, would you start Dylan Cease at Boston? Probably no. He's sick. <laughs> Mike Miner versus the Blue Jays. Uh, no. There's some good stuff under the hood for Mike Miner, though. The velocity is up yeah. and the swinging strike rate is up as well. So I'm interested, but I wouldn't start him in this start either. Tough matchup. Adrian Hauser at home against the Pirates, who all of a sudden are swinging hot bats. Uh, no, and not necessarily because it's the Pirates swinging hot bats. <laughs> Matt Shoemaker at the Angels. Revenge game. I don't want to say no to everything. <laughs> Um, you can if it's bad it's bad yeah Shoemaker's interesting but no I wouldn't do it Nick Pavetta versus the White Sox no Logan Allen at the Reds probably not this one isn't going to be the case anymore either because I have Logan Webb written down at the Marlins so yeah it'd be Alex Wood Uh, well Alex Wood is starting on Sunday so who are they pushing up I don't know All right, sorry I will say Alex Wood RP eligible. I'm interested in in him in a roto league or a points league if he pitches well. Jorge Lopez is nah. going up against the Rangers. He's at the Rangers now. Mike no. Fultonevich versus the Orioles at home. No, I mean I, he hasn't been awful, but he has the lowest swinging strike rate among all starters right now. 
Carlos Martinez at the Phillies. No. JT Brubaker at the Brewers. No. Matt Moore versus the Cardinals. No. Taylor Widener at the Nationals. Come on, break the streak, Chris. Okay. In a head-to-head points league. No, don't do it. Where you play with daily lineups, Taylor Widener is RP eligible. Okay. And I would not mind streaming him if you don't have a good, uh, uh, two good closers. So there. If you play in a head-to-head categories league, do not start Taylor Widener. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.